Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, real special treat. We've got Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times joining us today. And, Mark, uh, the Rays won for only the fourth time since the All-Star break, beating the Jays 3-2 to two on Wednesday. We've got a lot to talk about. It's been a while since I've, I've uh, had a chance to catch up with you, certainly um, since the All-Star break, at least. And, listen, uh, this team is, is being sort of cobbled together, I guess, because of all the injuries. There were some trades we can talk about. But, in general – not the start they wanted coming out of the all-star break. No. And, and, you know, really leading up to yesterday's trade deadline, Rick, I, I would imagine that factored into some of the decisions they made to not maybe be as aggressive as, as we thought, or, you know, some people expected them to be as far as adding, because I think, you know, if anything, their slow start coming out of the break, you know, eliminated any uh, hope as narrow as it was of running down the Yankees and being a, a player for the East title. And, if anything showed them, they're going to be in a battle to be one of the three wild cards. And only the you know the first team under this new format is the only one that plays at home. That first round is a best of three all at one site. Mm. The, the, uh, the third best division champ and the best wild card get to host it. So if you're the second or third wild card, while, yes, it's better than the one-game coin flip that it used to be, it's a three-game series all on the road. So point being – they kind of cemented the fact that that's what they're playing for. Try to, to try to be the first of the three wild cards, maybe reality being lucky enough to hang on to be the second or third. So none of that, the slow start definitely did not uh, further any reason to be aggressive coming out of the break is, is the point that I think right. they you know, took out of their slow start. And they played at Kansas city, a team that obviously they should have beaten up upon. They were six and one going into the break. You figured they'd come rolling out of the break. They go, one and two there. Then they go to Baltimore, playing a Baltimore team playing better, but not as good as they had been uh, for a while. And then they go one and three there, and then they come home and they go one and two against Cleveland. So yeah, a really rough start. Now one and one against Toronto. So you know the fact that for them to say, oh, at least they didn't lose a series here coming out of the break is not the place you want to be. Yeah, for sure. And I mean the the constant, obviously, Mark has just been you know, the lack of offense. I mean, uh, you wrote in the Tampa Bay Times that, you know, they have now failed to record more than six hits for the fourth time in the last six games and failed to top three runs for the ninth time in 11. I mean, three runs for the ninth time in 11. There, There's your season right there. Um, the injuries are the biggest part of the race season. There's no question about that, particularly to a, to a lineup that's been, you know, decimated um, – you know, with about five starters, you know, uh, that they had, had counted on. Um, but they've, you know, they've done, I, I don't know what else they could do. I, you know, you're obviously, you know, not going to necessarily be able to trade for Juan Soto or something like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, this Rays team has pitched really well, given, you know, uh, where they're – I'm still amazed at what their record is. I'll be quite honest with you, given the lack of offense. But it has been a lack of offense that has – prevented them from winning these games yeah no doubt and, and the two moves they did make at the deadline certainly you know in different ways addressed that David Peralta giving them a veteran hitter a little bit of a been there done that 
yeah. kind of guy, and and I think they felt like they needed that in that clubhouse. Uh, Man, Manuel Margot is kind of that guy in a quiet way, but he's at least another three, three and a half weeks out or so mm. before coming back, and they've had a lot of young guys. So I think they wanted someone who could lengthen the lineup and also provide a little bit of an example. And then they found out Jose Siri would be available and, and saw him as a big piece. I mean, this may be the changing of the guard, Rick, and yeah. Meyer underwent hip surgery and at the end of his guaranteed term with the Rays at guaranteed contract, um, maybe he comes back on a lesser deal. They're certainly not going to pay him $13 million and pick up his option. Uh, but Jose Siri may be the center fielder of the future for the Tampa Bay Rays. So they made a couple moves. I mean, Jose Siri you know, also hitting about 170. So they get rid of Brett Phillips. They bring in Jose Siri. The net gain is only a few batting points. But, you know, they see him as a guy with a runway to play. They think it's going to really turn into something. So they're, they're trying to make moves, but I think that the number one thing that I took out of uh, a couple of conversations with Eric Neander, uh, one on the phone, one in person last night, and then one again today, is that you know they feel, right or wrong, and we'll know soon enough, because that's the beauty of, of being in this business, is we get to judge what they do. It's right there in front of us at 7 o'clock most nights, but right or wrong, they feel, Rick, pretty confident that when they get uh, Wander Franco Harold Ramirez and Manuel Margot back in addition to the guys they picked up, Jose Siri and David Peralta, that they're going to have a really dynamic offense. I mean, they're not going to get Kiermaier back. They're not going to get Zanino back. But they feel with those other guys, and, and certainly a Wander Franco who's motivated, who's had a very much a miserably lost oh, sophomore yeah. season, he could really be an impact player for them. So I, I think their point is they didn't want to go too far in adding offense when they feel like they're going to still have a pretty good team when they're all healthy, which should be around the end of August. Now, pitching-wise, as you said, they've been pitching pretty well. I thought they would have added a pitcher, created some more depth, had a little bit more uh, experience down there in that bullpen. They don't have a ton of that. Uh, you know, and arguably, you know, without their most important high-leverage reliever in Kittredge, the guy they thought maybe was going to take his place, Fire Eyes, and no sense when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back. And Fairbanks just came back, so really kind of without three of their top High leverage guys, but I the bullpen. Jason Adam has been a tremendous help, uh, un, unheralded, unknown. They didn't know what they were getting. They signed him because he had an option. They just want to make sure they had somebody they could send down at some point this year, and he's been their best pitcher uh, out of the bullpen. So they've helped it together. So the starting rotation, you know, it's been good, Rick. But it's going to be interesting because there's been a lot of talk. Kevin Cash has been very transparent about their concerns over workload and inning limits. They've got several guys approaching already. Here we are in early August, getting close to their career highs. Uh, Shane McClanahan is one, certainly. Jeffrey Springs, Drew Rasmussen. These are guys, those two, you know, moved into the rotation from past jobs as relievers. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that. I think you're going to see them uh, go with a bullpen day on the last day in Detroit. And then I think you're going to see them take advantage of a couple of days off to try to give these guys basically an extra, you know, it's almost like skipping a turn, except to do it for all of them with an extra couple of days here and there. So managing that as they go forward. I mean, Patino at some point could come back up and, and join as a sixth guy or something like that. But there's just so many things to juggle. They've got guys come back from injuries, including a couple of pitchers, Nick Anderson, JT Chargois. Maybe I remember this name from the past, Rick. Yanni Chirinos is on the yeah, show. Yeah. As is Brendan McKay. So who knows? We'll see those guys <laughs> pitching in game 162 to clinch something. You never know how baseball works. But uh, So they got guys coming back on both sides of the ball. They feel like yeah. they made a couple additions. I'm surprised they didn't add a reliever, but they feel like they've got enough depth in the bullpen at this point. And they're they're confident. Pete Bendix, the GM, said this. I talked to him during the All-Star break, and he said with all they've been through, and, and I agree. I agree with what you said, too. I, I cover this team every day, and as bad as they've been for long stretches, it amazes me to look up and see they're still in the middle of the wild card race. Yeah, um, I mean, they're 58 and – well, what are they now? Uh 
Well, they're about six games over, over 500, yeah. yeah. And just to be there, given all they've gone through, is amazing. But, but what Pete Bendix was saying was they feel like if they can get to October and they get everybody back, they're expecting to get back, and nobody yeah. else gets hurt, yeah. but they're going to be a hell of a team to deal with in October. And, you know, I kind of see his point, especially, you know, who else is lurking out there, Rick? Uh, the big guy with the man bun, Tyler Glass now. He is throwing bullpens. I'm hearing he's looking really, really good. Uh, they all keep telling us he's looking really good. Nobody wants to get expectations up or hopes up. He hasn't thrown to a hitter yet, but think of that weapon. Even if he comes back and he's only a two or three inning guy, what he could do, uh, especially in a short series. But we've seen we've seen the uh, the videos of him, and it seems like he's cutting it loose pretty good. I mean, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of restrictions on his on his velocity. Uh, the one thing I would worry about, and you mentioned the workload, you know, Shane McClanahan uh, was the only All Star, and of course he started the game and gave up two runs, but the, the American League uh, still managed to win. And then I, I think you know uh, whether he had an extra uh, length of days between that and starting again. Uh, his last outing, and, and I mean, Cleveland moves the baseball, right? And they got some some bleeders and some things that that fell in on him. But I I think you may have reported, or I might have heard or read that his velocity was down a little bit. I mean, McClanahan is, for all intents and purposes, I mean that that is the most elite left-hander in baseball right now. So there, of, of all those pitchers you mentioned, they got to be most concerned that, that that he is now exceeding any any sort of uh, workload that he's had in the past, right? Exactly. And, and, you know, the other thing we lose track of, and, and we all do, is that this is his first full year in the big leagues. You know, yeah. the, weird, the weird debut in 2020 where he spent, you know, the, there was no minor league season. So he spent the whole summer in Port Charlotte. Then he got called up and went on the postseason roster. Last year, you know, it's easy to forget this, but he didn't make the opening day roster. He didn't get called up till April 29th or April 30th. So they Jeez. kept him down the first month of last year. And there was some fatigue toward the end of last year. So I, I think they're concerned, even though he's, you know, his point, I asked him the other day, he goes, I think everyone's more worried about my innings than I am. But yeah. these guys know what they're doing. And, and yeah, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, but that doesn't take away from their expertise, from their care, from their uh, wisdom, from their concern to keep these guys healthy. They know it's their lifeline. Look, if you're the manager, you're the pitching coach, at some point you're judged on results, right? So you want yeah. your best pitchers out there winning games too. You want to keep your job. So, I mean, they all are in this for the right reason, but, yeah, Shane McClanahan at some point, you know, he can't go from 100 and what was it, 125, 130 innings last year to 210 innings this year. They're just not going to do that. So yeah. they're going to have to pick their spots, and there's going to be a couple of five-inning outings where he's pitching well, and if they lose a game late, you know, and because the bullpen doesn't do the job, they're going to look at the way Cash said the other in Baltimore, which is, yeah, we had a lot of confidence in Shane, but we have a lot of confidence in the guys coming in behind him. Yeah, and I see uh, as they get some of these guys back, whether it's Fire or some of the ones that we just mentioned, I, I see I see some more bullpen days and some more openers. And you know, uh, on on Wednesday, I mean, Ryan Yarbrough, you know, he came in and he pitched very well. He's he's done pretty good the last last couple times out. So um, maybe he can give him some length as well uh, because they again they they pitched really really well. Go back to um, you know the deals they they did make. Um, Surrey, you know, and, and you mentioned his, you know, his batting average isn't what it is, but a couple of things, one, they're in control of him for a number of years here, I think four or five years. And then secondly, he showed right away what kind of outfielder he is. I mean, this is, this is a plus center fielder, no doubt about that. And I, I can't, you know, who knows what happens next year, but just the thought that Kevin Kiermaier, I mean, you've covered this team for a long time. And if when you do the roll call of great race players, you don't get down too far before you mention KK, right? Not at all, not at all. And that, that's why I say we may, <laughs> excuse me, we may be witnessing 
a changing of the guard right before our eyes here. Yeah. And look, you, you've been around Kevin Cash enough, Rick, that he is, as you know, uh, as far from hyperbole as one can be. Right. Uh, as far as, as, you know, lavishing praise and, and, you know, getting into best this, best that. And, yeah. And he said unprompted the other day that, you know, there's very few players in his mind who you would compare to Kevin Kiermaier in that from what they've seen of Jose Siri, the videos, scouting wow. reports, and, and obviously certainly his first game with them that they feel like he is in that category. And the closing speed he showed on that ball Tuesday night, the one he caught in right center, I think he ran 74 feet. He's in the 100th percentile on the, the StatCast uh, sprint speed ratio and percentile ratios and things like that. And you could see why. And then he just about made that catch on the second ball, the one in the ninth inning, where he came a long way in. And, yeah. and this is a guy who had never really gotten familiar with the roof before or the turf before. So right. he's only going to get more comfortable and, you know, even today, playing the day game was different for he and Peralta, you know, than it was playing the night game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and in catching, I mean, you, you know, Zanino gave them a bunch of power last year. Of course, he had the injury that knocked him out. He's sort of in a similar situation with respect to whether he were to come back next year or not. But I think defensively, and they've tried to remedy that as best they could with now Betancourt, but they've really missed the defense almost as much as they missed the lack of power. Yeah, and I and I think probably if if we had some truth serum questions with some of the Rays people, they would not have expected thirty three home runs again from Zanino. They sure, probably realized sure. that was that was an arc, and maybe twenty 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 five would have been good. And yeah, trade that off for getting the batting average on the other side of two hundred a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, the the work he does behind the plate, the pitch calling, the leadership he provides, the ability to keep pitchers calm down, and and just the savvy he has in running a game. I think all those things, are, and some of those are obviously intangibles, but those are all things that they knew they were going to miss without him. And, you know, Frankie Mejia, I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, he hadn't been throwing real well, and then he started throwing very well. Better, and then he yeah. ended up hurting his shoulder after that incredible throw, mm-hmm. uh, the one game in Baltimore. But uh, he, he's kind of grown into it a little bit. He's never really had the chance to play every day, and he was more or less getting that. I mean, they want to keep Bethencourt in there a little bit, and yeah. he's not the smoothest guy behind the plate, and the bat hasn't shown up, but they think he's a better hitter than he's been. So they're going to mix it up a little bit. But if they get Mejia back on Friday, which is what they're talking about, right. uh, you know, not trading for a catcher maybe doesn't look as bad. I, again, I'm still surprised they couldn't go find somebody else's veteran number two or number three. You know, mm-hmm. Reese McGuire got traded, whether uh, – uh, uh, there's a couple other guys that have just been around that, you know, we've seen veteran type backups that you would have thought maybe they would have picked one up, but they yeah. really wanted to keep the lane open for the guys they have. Well, and, and, you know, uh, these moves, including um, the one with Surrey, of course, had some corresponding moves, none more popular or unpopular maybe among Rays fans than Brett Phillips being TFA'd yeah. eventually uh, gets traded to the Baltimore Orioles. Phillips had one of the greatest moments in race history. There's no doubt about it. Um, that's one of the craziest wins that in, in, in baseball history, probably in a World Series game. And, of course, you know, he'll forever be airplaning his way uh, through the outfield and, and, uh, and saying baseball is fun. Um, but just the life that he brought. Listen, it, you know this as well as anyone, Mark. It's, it's, you know, it's not show friends. It's show business, right? And, right. Um, but the fact that he was – a Seminole High School kid who grew up, uh, you know, we're going to raise games and wearing their tank tops, as it turns out, um, was not only a great story, but he he again will have that place, you know, uh, in 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 Ray's lore 
um, maybe more so than Dan Johnson, even who had some really big hits but wasn't beloved the way Brett Phillips was. But you lose something out of the clubhouse. And then again, you know, it's about production. It's a bottom line business. And he understands that as well as anybody. Um, but that 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 is that was a loss in, in its own way, right? In a number of ways. I mean, I think it's certainly it was a loss in connection with the fan base. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of social media comments. And mm-hmm. it's easy for people to say, I'll never go to a game again because they traded Brett Phillips and then they'll be at a game in a week right, or two. But, right. but I, I do think there was a connection with the fan base. He went out of his way. He was far and above what any other player I've ever seen do, signing autographs before every home game, um, doing a lot of stuff in the community during the off season. Uh, even, you know, the giveaway day the other day, which he was just beyond thrilled. That they did a giveaway in his honor with the basketball jersey. And then, you know, agreeing to sign autographs for an hour after the game uh, for fans. He said, I asked him how it went. He said he thinks he, he didn't sign anything but jersey. Everybody just wanted the jersey signed. He just wanted his name on the jersey. Um, <laughs> he had already pre-signed some pictures for people who got shut out. And he said people didn't even want the picture. They just wanted him to sign the jersey. Um, so I, I think, you know, the fan connection is one thing. And, yes, there is something to be said for the energy in the clubhouse and, and, you know, we see him take, you know, the leadership in the dugout, first guy on the top step, first guy to celebrate anybody's accomplishment, taking the helmet off people who hit home runs. I mean, we've seen him do all those things and there is something to be said for all that, but you know, it, it it's kind of hard because this is the pros. It's not like, yeah. you know, in high school or college where you want that and, and you, know, yeah. you need that. And it's, it's still good in the pros and it has its benefit, but, you know, you, you don't get paid to be a mascot and you don't get paid to be a cheerleader. You get paid to be a player. And ultimately, his numbers just weren't getting any better. And, and I think there was some, you know, just uh, the lack of, of progress. And then I think he felt it, too. I mean, he was trying all kinds of different things. He was constantly tweaking, adjusting yeah. his stance, trying to figure it out. He still has some value as a great defensive player. He still has some value as a really good pinch runner. Uh, but I, it just wasn't going to I don't think it was going to work. I don't think they could afford to carry him, given the other guys that they had had a carry too if everybody else was healthy you could carry a Brett Phillips I mean I, I when we you know when he got let go the other day and, and talking to his agent and some other people you know it became clear the Yankees were one of the teams interested in him and I mentioned it and my wife actually said why would the Yankees want him you know and I said no that's exactly why they've got mm-hmm. such a great offense yeah they can carry a guy who hits 140 or 150 mm-hmm. and plays great defense and is a pinch runner I mean Baltimore is not a bad fit I mean I think from Brett's sake he might get to play more in Baltimore but you know, probably if he wanted to be playing till the end of October, going to the Yankees might have been the best opportunity. He didn't get that, unfortunately, for him. But so I, I, I kind of see it both ways. I get it. And, you know, should there be some sentiment for what he did? And, and you know, the, the moment with the, the young girl, Chloe, uh, the oh, cancer yeah. patient, that was you know, the highlight moment of this season. Uh, a number of other things he's done where he's reached out to people. You're always willing to catch the first pitch, always willing to say hello uh, when they do the, the Tuesday child. The Tuesday child is usually a, from – you know, make a wish or something like that. Obviously a tough situation. He's always out there with those kids. So he does all these things. I mean, the t-shirt business that started as a kind of a novelty. That's become a big thing. The baseball is fun. And if you still want one, I noticed baseball is fun. 35.com is still in business. They made a point mm. of sending out an email to people saying, Hey, we're still here. We're still going to do this. We're going to try to do some in Orioles colors, you know, give us the time to get caught up here. But uh, so there's a lot of wonderful things Brett Phillips did. Unfortunately, he just didn't play well enough to stay on the active roster. Of course, we're visiting with Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times, who covers the Rays. We'll uh, resume that conversation. But first, I want you folks to remember that you can do something about your out-of-control electric bills, and they are out of control because your AC is running all the time right now, and it needs to. Call our friends at May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned business. They've been uh, installing solar electric systems for 12 years. Now, you know, there's this field has got a lot of fly-by-night companies, and May Electric Solar is committed to you 
for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That right there, that's the main difference. So if you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You see exactly what they're going to install. And plus, they don't use subcontractors at all. So you know exactly who is doing the job. So start saving today. Call the solar energy experts. May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 to schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long, preserve your quality of life, and preserve your appliances as well. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. This doesn't count for anything because no one cares, but um, you know, I, I am about twice or three times a year in a clubhouse uh, in the Rays, you know, trying to uh, hold things together while, while you're doing your Sunday stuff. Uh, or coming off a road. And the one thing about Brett Phillips, if somebody is in that clubhouse that, that he doesn't know or that is new there, and he did this to me, walks right up, introduces himself to you. Right, right. Uh, and it's the weird, you know, it, and, and believe me, I've been covering professional sports, you know, as long as you have, Mark, and I don't care what sport you're talking about, that doesn't happen very often. And it's almost disarming, you know, in a way, but um, but that's exactly who he is, you know. You're, you're and, saying if I if I go over and help you out one day, Tom Brady's not going to come up and introduce <laughs> himself to me. Oh, Dang it! Oh, you're not going to find Tom Brady, pal. <laughs> <laughs> he's 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 led by a mic into the microphone and out of the microphone very quickly, and uh, I I still hold dear that I'm the only one that's interviewed him locally uh, in a one on one situation in the last three two and a half going on three wow. years. So, yeah, it's a little bit different, but uh, and, and listen and and. And I'm not ripping on Tom because, quite frankly, I have been in his company. And the one thing about Tom is, uh, for a, for a megastar, is that he's very present. When you when he is when he is sitting across from you, or or in, in the case at the Hall of Fame, shaking my wife's hand 18 times, um, you know, he he will uh, look you in the eye. You never see him with a cell phone. You never see him hurried. Um, and, and so, for a superstar of that magnitude, he he actually is. Uh, you know, his parents have done a great job with him and, and, and all of that. But yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to have probably anybody, I wouldn't think in the Buccaneers uh, locker room, which should be opening in this year, um, just walk up to an unknown reporter and introduce themselves every time somebody new is in there. That's a rare thing in professional sports. And, and it was something that, uh, you know, just, just people don't see and really probably don't care about, but it meant something and says something about his character. Uh, this feels like the New York Yankees, not only they're running away with the American League East, Mark, I listen, the big fear has always been, what if these guys stay healthy for a whole season? Um, and for the most part, they've done just that. And, of course, what Aaron Judge is doing is is uh, insane. Uh, now they add Frankie Montas, who I, I watched him pitch one game of the, of the three, two or three games I've done this year. He was lights out. I mean, the guy's about 6'8 and 260. Um, that's just the rich get richer, right? Yeah, look, if he stays healthy, he's obviously a great addition to them. At a time when some of their other starters are faltering a little bit. I mean, Tyon has been bad lately. Yeah. Uh, they ended up trading Jordan Montgomery. Obviously, he wasn't very good. And, and you know, right. <laughs> instead of Brett Phillips, they got a nationally gold glove winner in Harrison Bader. So, you know, it's not like don't feel yeah. bad for the Yankees that they did, they missed out on Brett Phillips. They had a different plan of mine. But, yeah. Um, so, you know, Nestor Cortez, I mean, it, it, he's yeah. been tricking them and he's been tricking them for four months. Can he continue to keep tricking them? True. You know, we'll see. Uh, but, That's true. You know, you, you start with Garrett Cole and now you add Frankie Montas. And, you know, if you have Cortez and maybe you get Tyon figured out, uh, they've mm -hmm. got a couple other options to drop in there. But, 
you know, their bullpen is still pretty good despite the injuries they've had uh, in the back end there. And the lineup's obviously deep and thick and, and relentless. And, you know, it, it doesn't hurt that, you know, getting, getting, uh, getting rid of Rizzo and getting Benintendi, I mean, getting, not Rizzo, I'm sorry, uh, Gallo. And Gallo, yeah. Benintendi was obviously a plus move too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the Yankees are positioned themselves well. In fact, um, somebody made a point today on MLB radio saying that the reason you trade Montgomery is you're not worried about having five and six starters anymore. You're thinking about the postseason. You need to have your best yeah. three or four starters and your best team behind them. And if having a gold glove center fielder to go in late in games is, is worth it, uh, instead of having a fifth or sixth starter, that was why they made that deal. Yeah. You make the moves to the bullpen or, or elsewhere, and then you save runs late in the game. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'll get you out on this, Mark. Uh, You've done baseball for a long time, not as long as Ben Scully uh, was calling baseball um, from the time he was 25 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He he passed uh, away just the other night, and I don't know how much interaction you've certainly, you know, come into his his circle many, many times, I'm sure. Um, What's your thoughts about and, and what people are saying about him, what he what he meant to the game, and um, and just if you have any personal interactions with him. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Rick, I don't I don't think you could say enough about what Vin Scully has meant to the game of baseball, and just you know, watching and listening over the last twenty four hours to the tributes and yeah. who they're coming from, and it makes it very clear that you know how many people he touched, and and to so many people, he is the game that he is the mm-hmm. the voice, he is the soundtrack of baseball to many yeah. people. I mean. Um, and, and personal interaction, I, I met him, I, I know a couple of times I actually was able to dig out a picture today when the Rays were at the Dodgers in 2016, um, Dave Wills and Andy Freed had set something up to meet him and I kind of tagged along. Oh, cool. Uh, and when they were done, I got a moment or two with him, uh, took a photo with him, which I have and, and certainly treasure and, and, you know, was looking at that this morning, but, uh, you talk about the class and the gesture and, and the kindness and, and all the things you hear people say about him. Here I am, you know, and he was he was kind of busy because he had done some with Dave and Andy. He had a few other things to do. He tries yeah. to have a little area where he eats before the game where they try to keep everyone else away, like a little private room, not in the regular media dining room. And I kind of waited, waited, and, you know, they got it. His guy finally remembered, oh, yeah, and they, like, we went into this, like, little closet, like a book closet where we could take a picture without attracting other people. And anyway, introduced myself, and he said, I read your stuff. And I'm like, yeah, right. Wow. Sure. That's, that's super nice. And he goes, I mentioned you on the air yesterday. You had a great point about the trade wow. and what the Rays are going to do. And <laughs> I swear, I was like, oh, my God, Vince Scully mentioned my name on the air. And I, I was like, that's amazing. Rays radio. Like, can you guys. How do I get this? We, yeah, we couldn't we couldn't track it down. I was I was frustrated at the time. And, and you know, that's fine. Just the fact that he said it. But. That, that that's my little like wow Vin Scully it's out there somewhere that Vin Scully said Mark Chopkin Tampa Bay Times on the air and that that was like the coolest thing just to hear and the fact that he he made enough to tell me he didn't even have to tell me why well, I mean right he right he said fifty people's names on the air that day but 
just that in meeting me, taking this picture in a closet after he'd already been running around right before the game, and he shared that. And that that just to me was like my own little personal for you know means nothing to anyone else except me and my mom, whatever. But you know, my anecdote of Vin Scully and and just no I mean here's the other thing. Find me the someone who says something bad about Vin Scully, he'll be the first person. Like who, who That's would, right. That's no right. One. Usually yeah. everyone. I mean they there's I, as great as Tom Brady is, and certainly the goat in his field, as Vin Scully is the goat in his field. But there's been a few people that had a few things to say about Tom Brady. I don't know anyone who says anything bad about Vin Scully. Yeah, that's really that's really a a good way of putting it. And um, you know, just one of the giants of the game, and a and a giant gentleman as well. Um, yeah, and 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 you know, it's amazing because his career was so long, and people forget. He did. He did football. I mean, he called the catch with Dwight right. Clark, you know. And I still get goosebumps with that. Late in his life, I got to meet Dwight Clark and actually befriend him a little bit. Um, and you know, Ven Ven did a Ven did a lot of sports and and was, of course, the Kirk Gibson home run and you know some of the the major moments. But his his real uh, talent was knowing when to shut up. And Absolutely. there's that story about Absolutely. you know Henry Aaron's 715th home run, where after he hit it and he called it, he literally turned around and put, turned his back to the action, to home plate, to resist saying anything else for a number of minutes. It was a just a remarkable story and, and such a telling story of he, his, his, here's the other thing, Rick, he cared about the game. He didn't care about Vince Scully. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, you know, of course his signing off was I, I needed you more than you needed me, which is not true, but um, we're certainly going to miss them. And I appreciate your words that listen, it, that picture would, would be it for me. I, I think that's just tremendous. And, and the fact that he mentioned you on the air is great. We mention you on the air often. You are off to Detroit. Good luck with your trip. I know it's one of those 4am wake up calls, uh, 20 hour days. Uh, few of us have to endure that, but you certainly do it often. And, uh, we'll see how the Rays are able. They need to win a series. They need to start by winning a series. They split the two games. With Toronto, we'll see if they can turn themselves around a little bit here and get get into October, and then anything can happen, as you know. So thanks, Mark, and uh, have a safe trip, and we'll talk to you when you get back, man. All right, sounds good, Rick. All right, just before we get out of here, um, the Bucks practice indoors. Not a surprise because it's been uh, like walking on the sun out there, and uh, we mentioned yesterday uh, in the podcast how you know Todd Bowles got on his team for not mentally pushing through some of that. It was also Tom Brady's birthday. Happy 45th to the goat. I don't know if you saw, Derek, the goat cake that Leonard Fournette produced or had <laughs> had bought actually for him. It was kind of creepy. It was so realistic. It looked like a goat's head, like a real goat's head. It was. Yeah, I was going to say, I like the whole concept of goat, but when you put it out like that, the goat's head, I don't know. Usually, you know, you see the whole goat and it's fine. <laughs> just the goat head staring at you. That a little Maybe bit. Next of... time, put a little less thought into it. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, but uh, that was interesting. And of course, Tom Brady will never eat that cake because it has sugar in it. So uh, that's the way that goes. But I'm sure his teammates enjoyed it. So Brady got the whole day off. Like, you know, some guys just had a veteran day where they didn't have to practice, but they were still at practice. I didn't see Tom at all. So I, you know, don't keep track of him that way, but he could have been. He could I mean, have he was probably trying to avoid you to begin with, but, you know. <laughs> well, listen, I don't think he was going to hold any more press conferences after, <laughs> you know, the league uh, revealed that the Miami Dolphins had tampered with him twice in 2019 with the Patriots and then his no later than uh, December of last year when he was trying to defend his 
Super Bowl title. So there's that. At some point, yes, he will be asked about it. I asked Todd Bowles about it. Trust me, he didn't want to go there. Uh, it was almost as if it was like, what, tampering? What's that? What is there a story? I'm, uh, You know, people just try to write stuff. No, it was really tampering, and it really happened while your quarterback was trying to win a championship. But um, the Bucks were awfully, pla- uh, awfully glad to be inside, indoors. That's what mattered to them, uh, and, and we were too. I'm not going to lie. So they're off today. Uh, They'll return on Friday and then, of course, through the weekend. And then next week, of course, the Miami Dolphins come to town for some dual workouts or joint workouts on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And then they'll take a little day off on Friday or at least do some walkthroughs and things like that separately and then play on Saturday, the first preseason game, which brings me to this. Todd Bowles said yesterday that don't expect to see Tom Brady in the first game which is the only preseason game at Raymond James Stadium. You know, there's three of these things. They play against the Miami Dolphins at Raymond James, then at Tennessee after joint workouts there, and they finish up at Indianapolis. Those are your three preseason games. Used to be four. There's now a week in between the final preseason game and the start of the regular season. Brady will, of course, be practicing and participating a lot, as will all the starters, in those joint practices. The reason being, you can control it. It's a controlled scrimmage. Uh, they're not going to probably tackle to the ground. They're going to uh, obviously not hit the quarterbacks. So it's a much safer way to get work, and you get really good work against another football team without having to expose them. And then they'll use the preseason game uh, for guys like Kyle Trask and, and uh, to some degree, Blaine Gabbert, but mostly Trask. I think we'll get to play a lot of football in August. But what that means is if you're a Bucks fan, the first time you're going to see Tom Brady at Raymond James Stadium is week three of the regular season. Yikes. Yeah, so it so if you you know we're what we're still several weeks uh, uh them playing the Dallas Cowboys September 11th and then you figure it's going to be two weeks after that so it's quite a long time before uh, Tom Brady is uh, in front of you if you live in Tampa. I tell you what I'm just a little heads up about tomorrow's show there might be a question or two about uh Tom Brady and the fans and what yep. they think of him so uh very interesting. Yeah, this ain't done. Looking forward to it. You can still get questions in any time if you want to. You can do that by going on Twitter, submitting them to us at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or me. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. My thanks to Mark Tompkin again for Derek Sharp. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.